Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. How did Brown University women's basketball player Charlie Arthur control the controllables in her college recruiting process? The college recruiting process can be extremely stressful under normal circumstances. However, over the last year and a half, high school student-athletes have faced the very unique challenges associated with COVID. My guest on this episode, Charlie Arthur, is one of those athletes. Charlie went through the most critical period of her recruiting process during the pandemic. Further, Charlie was rehabbing from a major surgery during that time. Talk about frustrating. Charlie is currently a freshman at Brown University where she is on the women's basketball team. She chose Brown based on her comfort with the coaching staff and understanding that the fit with Brown extended way beyond basketball. In episode 26, Charlie shares the details of her recruiting process and how she focused on controlling the controllables during a very uncertain and stressful period of her life. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Charlie Arthur. Hey, Charlie, how are you? Good. I'm doing good. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming on. It's great to have you here. Uh, For everybody who's listening and may not know you, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Yes. So I'm Charlie Arthur. I'm a women's basketball player. I'm committed to Brown University, which is a Division I program part of the Ivy League. Excellent. And so now that we know you're a Brown University basketball player, maybe you can start off by telling us a, a little bit about your recruiting journey in your own words. Yeah, um, I'd say my recruiting journey was crazy just because I think everyone can agree COVID was insane on so many different levels. So losing out on the junior year recruiting season was definitely stressful as that's the most important year for us. But I was lucky enough to find a school that worked for me. Um, Brown had a new coaching staff in the middle of COVID. So they had a they also had an interesting an interesting setup as well. So I was contacted by them in May, I think, and was pretty excited. My grandpa went to Brown, so I did know about them. And we just, we had talked for a really long time and I was really excited. I ended up committing to a different school and then a few months later decommitted, which that was stressful as well to decommit. But I was lucky enough to when I contacted them, I was able to still have a place on the team. and was really excited as I knew the school I priorly committed to. I knew those coaches for almost two years where I knew these coaches for three months. And that's kind of where I put how that happened. And so now that I know the staff at Brown for so long, I am so thrilled with my decision and so happy that they wanted to have me back on the team. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it was a stressful process. I think having the wild card of COVID does not certainly did not make things easier for anybody, regardless of what it is we're doing, whether it's recruiting or anything else in our lives. So, but can you just talk about what were some of the factors that went into ultimately choosing to commit to Brown? Yeah. So I would say my biggest thing is coaches. So the head coach is really great and made me feel the most comfortable as Obviously, Brown is really far away from Washington, which is where I'm from. So I think if I was going to go far, I wanted to be comfortable with the coaching staff. And 
she was great. And then I met our assistant coach and he was just, he was awesome too. And then we, when we hired, they hired the third assistant. She's amazing. So like, it's just the best of both where all the coaches are great. I feel super comfortable leaving my parents and going, my parents feel super comfortable with the coaching staff. And then I also would say, obviously the academics, my parents always had I have a little brother and we academics is something where we have freedom until our grades are down and then we don't. So <laughs> we've always kept our grades up. So I always knew why not use my basketball talent to get me to a school I may not have, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to without basketball. So obviously an Ivy League is an Ivy League. So, and then the campus I actually visited, which I was lucky because a lot of people had to commit without visiting. And my parents were like, well, why don't we just go look? Why don't you just go look? And pretty much the moment I got to campus, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to commit. And I called the coach pretty much the next day and said, yeah, I'm going to commit. This is awesome. <laughs> so at what point, I know you said May 20, I think it was May 2020 was sort of yeah. a, a, a connection point, but like at what point did Brown first contact you? Um. Yeah, it was, it was May. It was actually, I was just, Okay. I think it was, I literally was driving and going to a training or something and she and the coach wanted to talk and I was pretty excited. And then I think a biggest thing is when we talked, we had long conversations, which I'm, I'm a talkative person. So it was, it was really cool that she took the time to have long conversations where other schools, maybe it was 10, 15 minutes at the most where these were, you know, 40 to an hour long. And so I felt like, I really did get to know them. And even now, as I've been you know, committed for such a long time, she's still, and all the coaches still take the time to talk to us for a really long time. So it's pretty cool to just have coaches that really care about what's going on in our lives. And it's not even basketball. Like they just want to know everything. So I feel like they really get to know us as like a full person, not just a basketball player. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. And it's really important because yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot in these conversations that I have on this podcast and outside of it is, is identity, right? Like how much of our identity is wrapped up being an, an athlete, being an athlete. And when you have coaches who are looking at you from all those different perspectives and care about you as a person, that makes you feel more comfortable. So I, I think that's incredible. So how, how did they identify you? How did they find you as a, you know, a recruit or a prospect for them? I think it may have been my AAU coach. It's crazy that I don't fully know. I just feel like sometimes those questions don't always get asked. But my AAU coach is awesome. And he did a lot by taking us to travel in July in the middle of a pandemic. So he did a lot for us and did a lot for me and still does a lot for me, even though I'm committed. So I think it may have been that or an email or just come across video. But I think it was him, which that's why I always like having a good AAU coach and program is very important just because you want a coach that if they fall upon a, a program they think fits for you, puts your name in the hat right away. So I think it was my AAU coach. I was actually going to ask you that question as to what your coach's involvement was in the process. I think it's in incredible that you have coaches, a coach or coaches that are going to be proactive on your behalf. Because I think one of the things that I hear a lot about is um, from coaches is that they want the athlete to really be proactive in the process, right? To be the one sending the email, to reaching out, you know, those kinds of things and not having it come from necessarily say a parent. Mm -hmm. um, were there any schools and you don't have to name them by name, but were there any schools that were on your radar that you really liked that you were kind of going after 
you know, proactively to say, Hey, I want to be a part of your program? Yeah, I would say one thing, and I, my brother's wanting to play. And I think advice to him was to get emails out earlier because I think with before COVID, it just felt like, well, they're going to come to you, which they did in a way, but I think I could have generated a lot more if I would have, you know, put my, put my own self out there. And so during COVID, I sent a lot of emails and it definitely generated some. And that's one thing that I I just wish I would have done earlier because it didn't take that long. It just took me to make kind of a template and figure everything out and then just spend the time sending those emails out. And I would agree that coaches want to hear from you. And so that's something my parents are pretty hands off with. They were in the background helping and everything, but they never, they never sent an email. They weren't talking to coaches for me. I think they were really into like, this is my process. So if I want to play, then I'm going to have to do what it takes to play. This isn't their process. So I would agree that's super important to be the, the one that's putting yourself out there, not your parents, because they're not recruiting your parents. They're recruiting you. Absolutely. And I think, I think a lot of coaches will say exactly that same thing. And I think, you know, when you're thinking about the prospect of, of going away from home, especially for somebody like you who's leaving, you know, you're from the Seattle area, right? Going from the West Coast all the way to the opposite end of the country, right? They're going to want to know that this person is accountable and responsible for themselves and that they can take care of themselves because, the last thing any coach wants, regardless of the level, is constant phone calls from mom and dad saying like, hey, what's going on here? Right? Yeah. They want to be able to deal with you directly. Yeah. So talk about your parents a little bit more. I mean, I, I certainly I appreciate their style as you've described it as a parent myself. I'm sort of the same way. It's like, you know, if, if you want something, you know, son or daughter, you have to go figure it out for yourselves because otherwise you're not going to be motivated to do it. But I think also as a coach, I think there's definitely something to be said for the athlete taking the lead on whatever it is that they want. So can you talk about their role in the process in a little bit more detail? Yeah, I would say my parents are super supportive. They are definitely went to every game. And if they weren't at a game, there was some emergency that they could not be there. But they were at all my high school games, pretty every they one of them at least would travel to watch my AAU. And I would say my dad played when he was younger. And so we have the classic father-daughter relationship of when I was younger, he was the one that pushed me the hardest to play. And then we, he always says he's my number one fan, but he's also my biggest critic. And so I think we have a really cool relationship where he, even when I have other coaches that, you know, have a whole team of players, I have my a coach that's looking out for what I'm doing and, making sure I'm on top of my game. And I would say my mom at first didn't really know basketball. Like she had it. But when I started seriously, seriously playing, she took the time to learn pretty much everything. So she knows. And they both have been, I always say, I, I would not be able to play or be as at the where I'm at today without their help because they drove me to everything, stayed up late talking about advice, you know, came to everything. They just were... The, I would say I got, I couldn't have had better parents in the process. I'm sure they would be happy to hear that. (laughs) That's great though. Um, And and listen, you know, what I'm learning about that AAU process is, is that there's an immense amount of travel and and there's a significant financial investment in the process. So to have parents that are not only supportive in that way, 
but also emotionally supportive. I mean, I think that that's, it can be stressful for parents, you know, so to have parents that were positive and on, you know, on your side the whole way, like that's gotta be a relief, right? As an athlete trying to find your way. Yes, absolutely. So what would you say is the, was the most challenging part of the recruiting process for you? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I would say COVID as a whole was challenging because no one, like, you know, my AAU coach, parents, no one had, and coaches I was talking to, like, no one had seen that. So they didn't, with everyone committing early, that was really, that was tough to just have coaches and schools drop off, not because they didn't want you anymore, but just because they had someone else commit in your position and they were, they weren't expecting that to happen. So I just think that was, that was probably the toughest just because it was seemed like really it was a whirlwind and it was a super stressful time for like five or six months of just wondering like where the heck am I gonna go and then or you know just everything being up in the air of not knowing if we were gonna play in July are we gonna play in August are we gonna play in September and so I think the whole nothing being really concrete was definitely I'm someone I like a schedule and like to know what I'm going to do. So I think having to be patient was probably the most difficult during COVID. Yeah. that And listen, I think we live in a world where being patient is just hard in general. And then you're in this unknown situation that none of us has ever faced. And when the phone isn't ringing or the, the text messages aren't going off and you're wondering, well, what's happening here? Uh, it can be really, really challenging. So what, how, can you tell me more about how you were able to handle that or ha- able to kind of deal with that? We'll call it stress. I'm not sure you were stressed out, but like just that idea that maybe you don't know what's going on. Like what were some of the things that you, you did to kind of manage that process? I would say I spent a lot of time just focusing on like the workout, like working out and just staying, staying ready so that when the time did come to play that I was ready to play and wasn't caught off guard. And then I think, just talking to friends and family because everybody was feeling uneasy and no one knew in every aspect of what work, everything, nothing was set. And so I think just talking to friends and family, because I have a lot of friends that went through the recruiting process. So I think all of us being there for kind of like just able to bounce ideas off of each other and kind of just know that it is going to come to an end at some point, we just kind of have to wait it out and see what happens. So I think we're kind of trying to, stay in a routine as much as possible. And then leaning on others was the biggest thing that helped me ease that stress that I had. Absolutely. I mean, having a routine is critical because that's what you can control, right? You know, the idea that you're getting up every day with a plan, working on stuff, knowing that, you know, there's no control over whether the phone rings or not, or something happens or not, or whether COVID goes away or not, but you're just doing what you need to do to kind of get better and continue to progress. And I'm, if I recall correctly, you were also during the time going through injury rehab. Is that, did I got that right? Yeah. Right before COVID I had a pretty, I had a surgery. And so I think it was the perfect storm where by junior year, right after my sophomore summer, I opted to get a shoulder surgery to fix something that I had dealt with that entire summer. And I had struggled to play like myself for so long that I just finally, the doc was like, let's just get it done. And so I was like, okay, let's just do it. Had a great recovery. I came back 
very quickly and made it to my high school season and was primed and ready to go for AAU. And then COVID hit. So it was like this perfect storm of, I missed a chunk of recruiting because the coaches wanted to come visit me at my house. And I obviously was in a shoulder sling. So that couldn't, I was, wasn't able to have that happen. So then it was, okay, we'll see you at the AAU tournaments. And then COVID happened. So then it was pretty like, oh, what a perfect storm of everything that happened. But but I have to imagine that in some ways, you know, with an injury, you know, having surgery is such a, I mean, traumatic, physically traumatic thing, right? And the rehab is a process, right? I have to imagine in some ways it, it almost like starts you back from like, you know, square one, right? To the point where like you're just focused on getting rehabilitated, right? So you're just getting up every day and like, this is the work I have to do. I mean, did the injury help you sort of keep your focus just on that process as opposed to maybe worrying about some of the things that were going on outside? Yeah, I would say at first, I think when I first had the surgery, there was once I missed a few um, events is when I, I think I was a little upset for maybe, I would say two weeks, but the moment that they said I could start moving it a little bit to try to, I would agree. I woke up feeling like, okay, this is the rehab I'm going to do. And this is what I, and I'm only focused on just rehabbing it and getting it better and better every single day. So I think the sitting time when you're just waiting to get to get clear to start doing anything is where sometimes I think you can start thinking of, oh, I, what, this is what I'm missing out on and this is what I'm not able to do. And again, my parents were really good at being very, keeping me busy or kind of just knowing that we're just going to keep, my mom's really good at being like, well, it already happened. So we're just going to keep, we're not even going to talk about it because it doesn't even matter because you're not we're just gonna. We're already in this process of getting it fixed. So, yeah, I would say the routine of rehab is once you start it, is makes things way easier compared to just waiting around and just waiting to see when can you start doing things again. Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say your mom comes up with some pretty good advice there, right? There's nothing you can do about it, so it's why worry twice. But but I you know I think that that's a, a really, you know, good example of, okay, like I'm going to get up every day and I'm just going to try to get better, right? A little bit better every day to get to the point that I want to be. And I think a lot of times athletes look at injuries and they go, why me, right? Why me? It would be easy to get negative, especially in the COVID environment where you go like, well, no one's going to see me. I can't play. I can't do anything. I'm injured. Like, you know, the world is, is crumbling. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that felt that way, even those who are not athletes are injured, right? Like a lot of people had a really hard time with it. So, you know, it sounds like you had such a like strong support system through that situation where it was positive and it was, you know, your energy was focused on the process of getting better. And, you know, obviously the outcome was great because you, you committed to Brown in that, <laughs> in that environment. So, I mean, that's a testament to you and your family, uh, because I'm sure that wasn't a very easy thing to deal with at times. Um, and now it's June. So when when do you leave for school? I leave in August. So I'm, my family and I are leaving a little bit early just to kind of get some more time over there. My mom used to go over there every summer. And so it's kind of just like, let's just, we haven't taken a family vacation in so long, especially with AAU before COVID, we never, we really didn't. And then I think 
the one time we, my family did, I didn't go because we had gotten into the state tournament. I wasn't going to miss playing. And so I didn't go, but now they're like, we need to get one more before I leave for college. Cause then they really, they're like, then we really won't have time to do it. So we're going to go a little bit early, but yeah, it's, it is crazy that it's already almost July and then it'll be August and then I'll be gone. It goes really fast. Yeah. How, so how do you feel about, how do you feel about picking up and moving to Rhode Island and, and leaving home presumably for the first time? I think it's an interesting, like I'm totally ready to leave and get to Brown. And I think, I just think my only, that's definitely the family will be very difficult because all my family lives in Washington pretty much. So I think that one will be tough in the moment, but I think I'm overall, I'm very ready to go and start just being, I'm excited. I'm ready to be in college now. <laughs> what, uh, what kind of contact have you had with your teammates there? Actually, that's a, I get that question a lot from everybody and the incoming class, we are like best friends. It's pretty cool. We all found each other. Once we all kind of knew we were all going to, for sure, um, going to Brown, a lot of us found each other because there's four of us. So I found one girl and then she had found two others. And then we just happened to all kind of start talking. And then it was like, we all clicked and FaceTimed. And then, you know, it's kind of one of those when you're about to FaceTime people you don't know, but you're about to be with for four years, I was thinking, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. But, and then from then on out, I mean, we FaceTime pretty much every week. And so I would say it went from being like strangers that we still haven't met, but we're pretty much updated on each other's lives every day. And then I actually get to meet them next week because I'm going out to Brown and all of us decided let's just go. So I'm excited for that. So I would say on top of the coaching staff being great, I also lucked out with, I have an incoming class where we're already such great friends so that when I arrive to campus, I already have people I know, like I have so many people I know and the older teammates have been really great with trying to help us just even asking to FaceTime us and getting to know us and texting us. So I just, I lucked out with such a great team that I'm about to be a part of. That's really cool. So that's the benefit, right, of technology. I assume you all found each other on social media. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the great part of the world we live in is that we, we can have those types of interactions face-to-face with people that we've never met before and start to form friendships that, you know, normally, you know, in the past, it would have been, you know, I have to meet you in person. And now that's not necessarily the case. That, But I want to kind of take a step back to the recruiting process. Like, because this comes up a lot for me and I'm always curious, like how, what role did social media play in the recruitment process for you? Good or bad? Hmm. I would say there's some good in it as if you get a coach that follows you or you can look at their team Instagram and kind of try to keep up with them and see what they're doing. And I would say the bad is sometimes there's, extra hype around certain things that I would say everybody's recruiting process is different. And so sometimes people choose to put their recruiting process all over social media where others don't. So I would say sometimes opinions, you can form your own opinions thinking you're behind or you're something like that. And you're really not. It's just everybody has different process. And I, and I used to think when people told me that they were lying, but like 
I would totally compare to like, even just my friends on my AAU team, like we all just had such different processes. And then even then you go to other sports and other sports process are just so different. And so it's just so different from one to the next. So you really have to focus on what your process is. And so for social media, I would say I'm pretty good at just even, especially when I was younger, just trying not to look at those certain things and just trying to ignore it just because sometimes the noise you can kind of get distracted and it's like you just want to focus on what you're doing not what so what someone else is doing that's great advice because i i think that that's kind of where i was going with it because what i hear a lot of is you know recruits are modifying their process based on their reactions to what other people are doing right so I pick a school based upon what somebody else is going to think or somebody who's my contemporary in my recruiting class is going here and I don't have an offer yet. So then the pressure mounts that, Hey, I don't have an offer or so-and-so is going here. Like I should be going to a comparable school. Right. And you know, from what, I mean, this is a generalization, so I kind of hesitate to say it, but from the limited interactions I've had, females are much better at managing that than males are. I think the females are much more tuned into what's important to them um, and they're making choices based on their own process. Whereas I think the boys are much more reactive to like so-and-so is going here and I want to go to this big school because I know a couple of people who have gone on to college and they've big name programs and they've struggled a bit because the fit isn't as good as they thought it was going to be. And so I think it's really important to know yourself Right. And that's, I think what I heard, you know, I heard from what you said is like knowing yourself and knowing that your process is not somebody else's and being okay with that because it's easy to get sucked up into it. Yeah. I would even back to my injury. I would say my biggest thing is because when was that? That was September of my junior year. So September of 20, was that 2019? Yeah. September, 2019. I would say, um, we've mentioned sometimes the identity outside of the sport. And I would say that time forced me to kind of figure out what other things I like to do and what else, what, who, what else am I besides a basketball player? And then I think that led into the recruiting process, more of feeling more confident in what I was doing, not what others are still doing. And I, I say I was still, that's definitely something I still work on and I really have tried to work on. And I'll, I think everybody has some way, shape or form they can work on it. And then, so that's where I think injuries sometimes, like you said, people can say, why me? And I think the second time when I first found out, I definitely had that Nate, probably my mom said, you get a day to be pretty negative. Cause she kind of, she agreed, like it sucked. You can, but I'm, you get a day to kind of feel like, Oh, this sucks. And I, I just felt like it didn't get me anywhere. I felt, I mean, I felt bad for myself, but then, the next day was just like, this is not, I don't have anything to feel bad for myself. I'm lucky I get to get it done before I go to school. And I just think knowing yourself and being confident in yourself is the biggest, like, that's just, I think I've heard that so much. And then I didn't fully understand it until my senior year, which I wish I would have understood it when I was younger, because I think it would have made some sort of aspects of basketball more enjoyable. Yeah. But I mean, I think what you said about we're always working on it. I think that's the truth, right? Like we're human. And I think that, you know, you being 18 years old, like knowing that now, I mean, you're much 
you're much further ahead of the curve for most people. Most people don't figure that out until later in life of like, hey, I don't have to worry what everybody else is doing. I, I have to just work on me and like look at everything as an opportunity and try to get better. Some people never get to that point because they're always so concerned about what's going on around them or what's happening to them or you know what they can't control they're focused on. And that's it's not productive, right? Like you can feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. That's your choice. But it's it, what is it really accomplishing other than making yourself feel better in the moment? But it's not really doing anything. Yeah. Um, so it so sounds to give a really good outlook uh, on things. And so I guess with that, like, is there anything specific that you're working on now as you prepare to head off to college? Or is there anything that you're kind of looking at, looking forward at and saying like, hey, I'm concerned about this or I see this challenge and I need to be ready for it. Like, is there anything that you're kind of working on right now in preparation? Um, I would say probably working on the the compare, like just worrying about myself and just going into ground, feeling confident in my abilities and not trying to compare with others of what they're doing. And I think having an injury, you know, recovering from an injury, I won't be able to do full contact play right away, but we'll be able to do it in like two weeks. But I think the point is I know that I'm not going to be able to show right away what I know I can do. And so I'm going to have to be okay with, you know, taking that step back and just watching. And I would say now watching a lot of film, I think film is another thing. My dad would make me sit down and watch film after my games and I would get mad. But I think that is a huge people that you, if they don't watch film, I think it's such a, cause you, I used sometimes there's games. I thought, Oh, that was such a great game. And then we'd go watch it and be like, what in the world was I doing? I don't even know what that was. And so I've been watching a lot of film and getting myself back into that since I haven't really had film in a really long time. So I've just been watching film on um, <laughs> college, some Ivy league teams just to see how they play. And I know that I think the speed, will definitely be an adjustment because when I first entered high school, the speed of high school games was an adjustment. And then when I started playing for my EYBL program, the speed of those games was just different than I was used to. And so I've heard a lot of the college is obvious is very, the speed just changes. And so I think being ready to know that there's going to be an adjustment and I'm someone that like, I like things to be when I get there, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I think I'm trying to, warn myself there's going to be an adjustment period where I do not know what I'm doing and I feel a little like whoa there's a lot going on but I also I'm just super I'm just excited to get back on the court and start playing at the next level yeah there's there's a lot of good stuff in there because like if I put my sports psychology hat on there right like you're focusing on what you can control right which is the choice to sit down and invest the time in watching film so that you can build the awareness to understand what it is you're walking into. Now, like you said, like maybe on day one, you know the speed is is faster than what you're used to. It's a new game, and maybe it takes a little bit to adjust, but just having that awareness of, hey, this is something that I know I'm going to have to adapt to and be ready for that is a huge thing because I think a lot of athletes a lot of times don't want to know, right? They don't want to know that, you know, what's, what's coming up for them where they want to sort of delude themselves into thinking like, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to be, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread rather than looking at it honestly and saying, Hey, like this is going to be hard and I need to understand what I'm getting into so that I can work on those things to get 
as good as I can the day that I walk in the door. And I think that's a really important message for anybody who's listening, whether it's a an athlete who's a high school athlete who wants to play in college or a parent, like, hey, we got to work on the things that we need to get better at. And being honest with ourselves is important. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's where my, even my friends that were freshmen that were really good just, and they, they played a ton on their team and started just said their biggest thing is you still can learn a lot from the people who have like played. And so the advice is, if you go in thinking you know everything, even if you you are one of the best, like you, you, it's just good to take a second and learn from others who've experienced the speed and experienced what it is to be a college athlete because it's a lot different than being a high school athlete. And so I just think the overall talking to all my friends was just take take as much knowledge as you can from coaches and other players that know the system that can help you out. And that's one interesting thing is um, since my coach is, since she's new, it will be, it'll be interesting because I think now that they've had a lot of time to learn. And so that was the cool thing is at first, I think people, we were wondering if they were ever going to even get in the gym before we would get there. And so it was nice that they've had this time to be in the gym so that when we get there, it's not like we're all trying to learn together that they can, they can still give us some pointers, but I'm, it'll be, it's going to be fun. I'm curious on that front, like with the coaching staff, like not knowing, not really understanding it. So a little bit of ignorance on my part. Will they like through the recruiting process, do they give you feedback or did they give you advice as to say, Hey, obviously we offered you. So we want you here and we love your game, but will they be like, Hey, this is something I think you need to work on like consciously, or is that something that you think will happen when, when you arrive on campus and start to kind of interact with them, you know, in person? I would say for overall recruiting process, I would say coaches are so they want you to like them. So they don't always give feedback. Um, I like my dad would always push me to ask for it. And so I did Mm -hmm. sometimes tend to ask the coaches what they thought I could work on. And then for Brown. Yeah, I think I think right when we get to campus, like I think the coaches are great and I love them. And I also think they also will be coaches are going to let us know what they think we can work on. And so I think I'm excited to see them in action as like coaching us as not just through the phone or through FaceTime. So I think it will be fun to be coached. So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I mean, but, but credit to your dad, because I think one of the things that I, I am very focused on when I work with high school athletes is getting them comfortable with asking for help. And asking for feedback because at some time, like you said, sometimes there's a, a fear of not wanting to hear the truth and it's easier not to ask, right? But unless you ask, and like you said, I thought you made a great point, right? Like coaches, they want, they want you to like them, right? They're, they're, they're courting you, right? So they don't want to be negative. They want to be positive. But once you get on the court, then it's a whole different thing. And I think that's an adjustment a lot of athletes struggle with because they're so used to not only being liked or courted through the recruiting process, but they're so used to being stars in high school. And then when you get there as a freshman and then you're 18 and the upperclassmen 21, 22 have been there, there's a, sometimes a huge gap. And a lot of athletes have struggled. They struggle with that. Right. Like, and so, the, you know, you, you could look at it two ways, right? Like, Oh crap. Like I'm at the bottom of the food chain here and I'm not used to being like this. This is really hard. Or like, Hey, I can learn a lot from my peers and my coaches because I have a long way to go here. 
And I think that's a choice that we all make. Like, do I want to get better and learn? Or do I want to feel sorry for myself because I'm not the best anymore? You know, and it's a, I think it's a big adjustment for a lot of athletes to handle because they're not used to being that kind of just like everybody else. They're usually, you know, they stand out. Yeah, I would say, I would agree. Like you walk in, you're a freshman. And I would say the coolest thing I like about my coaches is um, they're kind of like, we don't do a like a senior freshman. And I, um, you know, I've played on teams where it is like that. And I always thought if you can play, it shouldn't matter if you're a freshman or if you are a, if you're a senior, everyone should have the same opportunity. And I've seen, you know, some of my friends are at schools where freshmen don't play or freshmen, you know, and they, but I think learning and when we get there, being able to learn and work our way up the food chain will be, I'm excited. I like to compete. And so I'm, I think I'm looking forward to competing again. So I feel like COVID took so much competition away from us where it went from being used to competing like literally every day or every weekend at least to like every few months we got to actually play each other. So that's awesome. I love to hear that. So I, as, as we're wrapping up here, I, I just, I wanted to ask you one more question. So if what, what advice would you give to other high school athletes who are being recruited and going through the process? Like what's the one thing that you would share with somebody else who's in your shoes that, that you think is really important to know? I would say be confident in your own abilities and don't try to change yourself for a coach or really get so wrapped up in one school and keep all your options open because you never know what can come in at the last minute. And I would say like Brown, I didn't, it was May of COVID. I never saw that coming. And it was probably, it was the best, one of the best things that ever happened to me. So I think keeping your options open and being confident in your own in your own abilities and just knowing that it's going to be hard work. And I think sometimes that is the thing I think people forget is that it's, it isn't easy. It is hard. Like, it's not like it just comes easy. Like you have to put in a lot of hours to be at the top because it's just, it's what you have to do. So I'd say it's pretty basic work hard and just be confident in yourself and keep all your options open. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more then. So <laughs> what, what, cause I, cause I've heard you say this a couple of times, but I'm really curious. Is there anything specific that you've done or you do to keep that confidence up or to build your confidence in yourself? Yeah, I would, I've read a lot of books that I think have good and I'm reading a book right now by, I think it's Trevor Moad, maybe, um, I'm forgetting the name, but he talks about kind of having a neutral, neutral mindset. And I really I like that because I think for me, sometimes I would get too, too amped or too, not too low. And so the neutral, I think just knowing your own ability. And so I think I've worked really hard over the years trying to just know that I'm the player I am. I don't have to worry about, it's like the comparison. I don't have to worry about what they're doing because I, I'm my own player. And so I would say over the years, accepting that, I'm not going to, I may like the way someone else plays, but that's not the way I play. And I think we like watching the athletes we watch because they all have their different styles. So I think except like just trying to know that I have my own style and that's why I got recruited by certain coaches. And that's why, you know, I've done what I've done. So not trying to change that style for whatever, for whatever reason. So I just think accepting that I'm the player I am and being confident in the player I am. That's great. 
that's a great way to end because that's great advice. I think for anybody um, in any walk of life and not just, not just athletes who are being recruited. So uh, I just want to thank you for joining me here. This is such a fun conversation. I'm so excited. For yeah. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's, I'm so excited for you and I'm, I can't wait to see, you know, where you go next and, and hopefully we can stay in touch and good luck in the fall. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. So what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Charlie Arthur? For me, it was that keeping an open mind and focusing on what the student athlete can control is critical to having a successful recruiting experience. Charlie exhibited great maturity and awareness throughout her recruiting process that led her to choose a world-class institution in Brown University. Charlie understood that her identity extends beyond just being an athlete. My suggestion to young athletes is to focus on what they can control in the recruiting process rather than focusing on the the things that are going on outside of them. It can be difficult when things don't go your way, but as Charlie experienced, you never know what might be around the corner if you focus on your effort and attitude in the process. I want to thank Charlie for her kind generosity and the wisdom she shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can learn more about the Freshman Foundation on our website at freshmanfoundation.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 27. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.